Hello, everyone. This is Sophie. And Tim. You may have noticed our branding has been updated from homegrown to call to farms. We noticed that as the homesteading movement has grown over the years, we realized that there was a need for a more impactful message. And when we started our podcast, we wanted to create a platform that encourages everyone, no matter their background or experience level, to become a part of the movement towards a more sustainable and self-sufficient lifestyle. So we chose the name Call to Farms as a nod to the phrase Call to Arms, which historically has been used to rally the troops to take action towards a common goal. We believe that there is a call to action needed for more people to get involved in farming and homesteading, and we want to ignite that movement. So thanks for joining us for today's episode, where we will talk about the importance of building relationships and homesteading communities. So let's get started. Tim, can you explain to our listeners why community is so important in homesteading? That's such a large question, but I will sum it up by saying that was the main reason why we moved out of California. We had everything else going, and we realized we lacked community. And what does that mean exactly? Community is actually having people that you can trust and rely on, people who you know will come to your aid and help you, and those that you would be able to get them out when they're in need. And that's something that we lacked because homesteading is no easy task. There are so many things involved from growing food, whether you're growing crops to raising animals. And there's also a lot of equipment costs that are involved. And it's really good to be able to share the load with your neighbors and to have that community. It's also very difficult to learn everything in such a short amount of time. But if you can rely on community with elders who have been there and and have this vast knowledge that they are willing to share, then that makes all the difference when when you want to hit the ground running and you want to be able to learn as much as you can. It makes all the difference when you're in a community where there are elders who have this vast amount of knowledge And you don't have the time to become a subject matter expert in every single thing on homesteading. So it really does help to get to know your neighbors, get to know people who have done it before, have gone through and learned from their mistakes. And that helps us avoid having to make those mistakes. Because during these times when you have a family and you have a limited amount of income, you want to be able to avoid having to make any mistakes as possible, at least amount of mistakes as possible, and be able to thrive. And homesteading is all about having those small wins. And those small wins lead to bigger wins. And having a community that supports you through everything, because not everything's going to go your way or go our way. And we can definitely go into details and share stories about that. And that can be a whole episode in itself. But we have a community now that supports us through it, through the thick and the thin, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we realize how important having community is because you can't homestead alone. And that's what essentially we were trying to do in California. Well, I mean, I think that's a a really good point. Yeah, we've, we've shared about it in the past episode or two about the lack of community or how difficult it was to find community in California of homesteaders. Right. There's many other different communities. We found good homeschooling communities, but in particular with homesteading where 
a lot of resources are required, whether that be time or money. I'm not opposed to failure. And in fact, there is a Vietnamese phrase that I didn't grow up with. My mother just shared it with me this year, which I wish she had because it's <laughs> nearly 40 years of going through life expecting like perfection. Perfection, right. And she said, Thất bại là mẹ của thành công, which literally translates to failure as a mother of success. And I, I, I wish didn't, I didn't even know Vietnamese had a had a, <laughs> a phrase for that. Phrase. Yeah, exactly. Like, what do you your Chinese have a Confucius like No, growing up Asian, it's just you you need to perform and you need to be perfect. Right. But I was also going to say that you have experience in this because you worked in the startup world and not being afraid to break things, right? right. And that that helped you grow in your field. Right. Facebook has the break things, move fast, right? And mm -hmm. in startup world, that's that's really what it is. In order for us to, and, and my specialty is in growth, marketing, and product. So we have to iterate as many times as possible yes. and take calculated risks that don't take a lot of resources because as a startup, you don't have a lot of resources. And I think, again, that comes back to my upbringing of my parents being refugees and immigrants to America and really not having anything and seeing how they, especially my my mom, like being right. able to make things out of nothing and taking mm -hmm. that and translating it to my work and now... Doing you know, more I'll, with less... Absolutely. Doing more with less all the time. I feel like that's been the theme of my life. <laughs> and your experiences and the skill sets that you've gained from the Silicon Valley, from growing up, as uh, <laughs> from, from having immigrant parents and doing more with less and learning how to be basically scrappy as well and being successful with that translates to homesteading. Right. It does. Yeah. Except that I want to try to avoid as much as I can because mm -hmm. failure can lead to loss. Mm -hmm. And when loss becomes a loss of an animal life or a plant life, it affects me emotionally <laughs> in ways that it takes some time to recover. And we talked about the loss of our cows, but we've... You know, we can talk about the loss of our meat chickens and how many we lost or yeah. loss of our favorite animals or baby lambs that we tried to to bottle feed and nurse. And we, we really tried our best. And so those are the times where I really feel, hey, is there a better way that we could learn this a lot faster where we don't have to experience a loss of life on the farm It's emotional, and it really puts in the perspective of being good stewards of our land. And, and it goes beyond permaculture. It goes beyond regenerative farming. It's all about, you hit the nail right on the head about, it's, it's emotional. Homesteading is emotional because we are not only responsible for our family's lives, but the lives of the animals and exactly the plants too. And how well they do, how well they thrive and succeed makes us brings us happiness right and it and it also we also get a product too at the end and if they fail then we feel like failures and it's really it's tough it's tough because there's a lot yeah. of time involved too right for our animals to grow for the plants to grow we have a lot of hope for example when we watch our our ewes give birth to her baby first lamb. baby lamb mm -hmm. 
you know, the joy that comes with that. Or when we first plant our first vegetable into the garden, we have a lot of hope uh, of life and, you know, growth. And so I think being in a community is so important being a homesteader because we are learning so much from others who have failed in a thousand different ways. Yes. And we failed in a thousand different ways and we come together and we're able to gather and actually share through, Mm -hmm. Hey, this is what worked for me in this area. And, and, you know, I was just sharing with, um, I was just sharing with my friend the other day about how in California I had almost a hundred percent success rate with our vegetables Mm -hmm. and, a 30% success rate with animals yeah, <laughs> because we're still learning out and the weather and the soil in California was Perfect. more conducive for, mm-hmm. for gardening. But moving out here, I would say we are a hundred percent self-sufficient on our meat products. Our animals are, you know, you're doing a great job on the animal husbandry and the gardening aspect, the vegetation is taking challenges. Yeah. There are more challenges. There's a steeper learning curve in this area. The weather is not as, it, you know, it's it fluctuates a little bit. It's Well, there are a lot of pests too, because we want to keep things organic. And that's one of the biggest challenges is we're truly organic. We try to find ways that, you know, we, we don't use a lot of outside inputs that's not actually coming from the land. So, and we can talk more about that. Right. But those are some examples of, you know, why I think having community is a huge support for homesteaders. Definitely. Let's talk more about how the community building aspect differs mm-hmm. uh, in a homesteading context compared to a more urban environment where we were in the Bay Area. That's a great question. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle. I know we struggled as well when we were thinking about where we want to go and where, where do we want to go next? Because we spent so much time growing up in California. That's where we, what we knew. And it was a little intimidating to think, how are we going to transition to a small town community? And so the way that we approached it was more of a military operation. You did a lot of research you um, became more involved in a lot of online communities to do a lot of recon work as to what are some possible towns that we need to go and visit. And we set it up so that we could actually go and spend some time, take the RV out, and go out there and spend time with the locals, spend time with the people, spend time at the coffee shops, at the restaurants. This is what you can get we gained so much more meeting with actual with the locals and interacting with the people than from reading online forums. And when we did decide on where we wanted to land, sending you and the children out in the RV first as the Advon party, we call it in the army, which is the advanced party. <laughs> and more or less, you were the scouts. And you came out and you basically set up the lay of the land. You looked out in the horizon to see and you made connections. You went to the local Ace Hardware store, the co-op, and you made friends with all the employees there. You weren't afraid to put your pride on the shelf. And that's something that I really admire about you because that's your personality. You're not afraid to just talk to a janitor or talk to people. Like It doesn't, it doesn't matter to you what their jobs are, what their positions are. Because that's something that you taught me, that every person 
has their own story. Every person has their own set of experiences and skill sets that we can all learn from. And that's mm-hmm. what we teach our children. But that skill set in itself was so important when we moved out here <laughs> because you hit the ground first. You got to know the neighbors. You went to the local coffee shop. They don't have a Starbucks here. You went to a local coffee shop. You sat down with the people who, that's their part of their routine. They come, they bring their dog in, they're, they're chit-chatting with other people, they're having meetings there. You got to know the baristas, you got to know the owners of the coffee shop, this, the, the locals, and that's where you get the real scoop. That's where you get the real news of who you can trust in town, who to stay away from, who are the people that are moving in? Like you get that vibe, you get the real pulse of the town. And that's something that you did. And you did a great job there because by the time I came and I'm the main party, we call it with, you know, the whole household <laughs> and the truck I'm driving in, they already knew who I was because you were already there. You laid the groundwork and made it, um, you made it so easy for me that I just, I felt welcome. Therefore, and it really plays on our personalities. You're <laughs> more outgoing. I'm a little more introverted. You're you're not afraid to go out of your way to say hi to people. Whereas I'm a little bit like, uh, I'm a little more shy. And that really helped me when, when they would say hi to me. I went to the local hardware store and they're saying, you know, hey, I, I met your wife the other day and they act like they already know me. And then it made me feel welcome and I really liked the experience and it really helped me transition here and built my confidence and helped me become more involved with the community groups here as well. I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, if you're a couple and you're doing it together, you have to pull on your strengths. You know, it's it's a personality thing too as much. Um, we're not really sharing like a secret sauce here as like a formula as to how to become trusted in a in a new community but you have to take an honest look at yourself and say what are my strengths and i know your strengths one of your strengths is you know being more sociable like going out there asking the right questions and knowing who to talk to whereas i'm a little you know more to myself but i i can execute and so um, we were able to pull on each other's strengths and that's why we we're able to jump in here and do so much in just one year. That's mm-hmm. that's uh, interesting. I'd never heard you share that perspective before. Yeah. You said it was an Advon party? Yeah, an advanced party. An advanced yeah. party. Yeah. Just curious, what are the personalities of of someone that would be qualified <laughs> for an Advon party? For an Advon party? Well, in the Army, the scouts were the ones that went out front. They were a lot of their mottos were out front, and the scouts they're they have a little bit more bravado than the infantry. They're expected to do more with less, and <laughs> that really sums up perfectly like our situation. And you did a, a really good job because in the advance party, like when the military and the army, the advance party goes there, they scout out, and then they start erecting structures and, you know, start (laughs) setting up the camp. And then the main body comes in, which is me coming in with the main body with all the household goods and everything with the animals in tow. And (laughs) now I come in and it's a 
it's a warm environment and I already know who to talk to to help me teach me how to build a fence, you know, uh, where I can go to buy lumber and get the best pricings for that. Mm -hmm. um, who's, a, who's a good local handyman? By going out there first and, and getting out there and not being afraid and getting out of your comfort zone and just saying hi and talking to everybody really helped really helped our family out. And, and it was a really good, um, I just wanted to share that because it's a really good thing that I think is often overlooked when you're getting into homesteading. People think about, about the perfect land, about resources, water, or, you know, what's the right soil so I can grow my food. But they often overlook the community. And that's something that I'll bring this back to real estate. And I tell all my clients this, they go inside the house and they say, well, I don't like the, the way it looks. I don't like the paint. I don't like the flooring. You can change all of that, but you can't change the neighborhood. Okay. You can change your house, but you can't change the neighborhood. And that goes in the homesteading here. You, you can't lose sight of the community who are mm. your neighbors. That's a really good point. For me, I think if anybody is interested in that, I think it was just naturally wanting to hear people's stories and wanting to hear people's gifts and skills yeah. and what their needs were and what I could do, if anything, to help right. or what our family could provide. I think, you know, to answer the question of like how community building differs in the homesteading context uh, compared to living in a, a more urban environment where we were in the Bay Area. In the yeah. Bay Area, we heavily depend on, you know, the Nextdoor app. I and mean, we have that here too, but... Yeah, and we also we also relied on Yelp. We relied on Angie's List. Yeah, right. But I think you know, when you when you when you move into a more rural area, yes, where the folks are different various ages uh and the technology usage is different here than how dependent we were in the Bay Area. I mean, I literally had my groceries delivered to me. Mhm. Mm you know, coming here, you really do have to be more grassroots efforts. You know, you, you have to be boots on the ground. Yep. And I really enjoyed that as much as my background has been in working in high tech and working on a laptop or a phone or, you know, a mobile device. I have really embraced and loved embracing the fact that I have to put all of that down. Slow Some down. areas, we just don't even have self-service here. <laughs> right, right. right. Um, but to be able to just talk to people and look at people in the eye, yep. have a conversation with them, have a heart-to-heart. -heart exactly. And smile. These are things, you know, an emoji just will never be able to replace. Right. And I've missed that. I even, I guess we're older millennials, I think, when I looked at it, mm -hmm. Um if if we even qualify as a millennial, we're right at that age. Several web know. pages <laughs> say otherwise, but you know, I have really missed the days where um, we didn't text. In fact, I was one of the last remaining people because you know our cell phone plans back in the day would charge you extra to text, and I was just like, "Well, I'm not going to text. It's going to charge me extra," and I didn't start texting until you're dating yourself no <laughs> until <laughs> yeah what unlimited texting was a part of our cell uh -huh. phone plans yeah. and then i was like okay fine what is this <laughs> thing i i just refuse to pay for a service right that 
is more disconnected than just picking up the phone and calling people. It just seemed counterproductive to, to be charged for convenience in that case. So we have to just be more intentional about slowing down, right? Just getting to know folks. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've really, I've really missed that. And I think, and they say that, you know, where we're at, we're 20 years behind. Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I really, I really wish we were more like 200 years behind. I, Mm. I think that technology in its place, being able to record this and, yeah. broadcast it out Get to the out. potentially the world. Amazing. Yes. But I think there are things, especially in our day-to-day life, in relationship building, in community, that just can't be replaced. And so there's a fine balance that I believe is necessary. Um, and so that's that's where you know, building community in a, in a homesteading context is different than the urban environment where we were. And I think we were in a special pocket in the Bay area where things were, you know, really ultra hyper speed, fast pace, fast definitely. pace where we were. Um, so I'll even, t- I'll even share this quick tidbit because I just closed a client outside of Knoxville and we had a table closing. What is that? Exactly. Well, you actually get to meet the seller. You actually get, the, and the seller gets to meet the oh, buyer. The seller's there too. The seller's there. You're actually at a table, at at title company, and you're signing the docs, and you're getting the check, and it's it's done is, is right it there. Is it awkward at all? I mean, no. I mean, as long, after negotiations, everything. I know. Like, well, it was a smooth transaction. I don't know, but back in California, you don't see anybody. It's all done. You just DocuSign, you meet a notary at a Starbucks, and within 40 minutes, you're done, and you get a phone call, and it's on record. You own your house. But here, you actually like physically go to an office and sign. And so this kind of relates back to what I'm saying. Like, it's exactly how it is out here. It's just hmm. face-to-face, Interesting. <laughs> eye-to-eye. And, and so I guess, hopefully then, with these transactions and the sellers are like, being very truthful to, and doing everything they could with a buyer and selling them actually a really good property that they cared for. And so <laughs> I, I think that speaks volumes to right. the type of people that live here and what we've just experienced in a short amount of time that everybody wants to mm-hmm. see you. They want to know you. They want to hear your story and vice versa. Yes. And I really, I really like that. I don't like scrolling on the phones, you know, on, on <laughs> Instagram. And I, it's a fine balance because these are things that like, in order for us to amplify our message, we have to do these things. But yes. there's a part of me that really struggles because I don't like, how do you find the balance between that? But that's another topic for another conversation. So let's let's move on and talk about the differences in community dynamics. You talked about Yelp and Angie's list for recommendations. Yeah. Let's talk about that story because I think that was very interesting. I I completely forgot about it because it happened I think pretty early on and in finding the plumber, is that right? Yeah, we did because we moved in and then we realized why was the water meter well, we weren't fortunate enough to already have a well on our site, so we were using plugged into the public water, and the meter was running, and we wanted to know where the leak was happening, and so I called up a plumber, right, because <laughs> going going back to my roots of being from the Bay Area, just 
hire out because I have no skill set in that. I mean, obviously, there's no running toilet. There's no running water going on. So where's this leak? And so I called up a plumber, which I, I Googled, and it was from a nearby bigger town because I couldn't find any local plumbers, but I'm sure that they existed. <laughs> they just weren't online. I found them. They had pretty good reviews. They gave me a quote just to come out. Well, lo and behold, they came out, and then they gave me a different quote. So it was a whole bait and switch. And what am I supposed to say to this guy? He's, Welcome, newbie. You know? Yeah. I feel bad for him. It wasn't him who gave me the quote. He's just the worker who came out, right? And it was the other guy on the phone. And I felt taken advantage of, and I felt like, man, these they don't use online. They don't use the Yelp reviews. And so ever since that whole experience, we have only gone with referrals from people that we know here mm -hmm. in the community and they would refer us to people that they trust electricians other plumbers and and, and that worked out much better but being able to adapt and to learn and to slow down and to be able to ask those questions rather than just jumping online which is my natural intuition is to do that you're not going to find anybody out here <laughs> yeah. by doing that. And I think that's the difference in the community dynamics. Again, what we talked about between the two environments is you have to get to know the people here on a more personal level in small town America. Yep. You just have to slow down. Yeah. I think we move at such a fast pace coming from the Bay Area. It's very unique, but we, we miss a lot of things. Yeah. Right? By moving by moving that fast, we actually miss a lot of things, right? You're you're sharing an experience of like getting someone in a larger town who came here, gave us a quote, mm -hmm. you know, did a bait and switch on us, and it's like, oh, yeah. well, you know, had we spent the time to actually, and and this isn't just unique to our area, no. and it happens in the Bay Area too. It happens all over the country because right. we just don't slow down and actually. Take the time to build community where you're at. You know, we were actually just, this reminds me of the other night we were at a CERT training class and one of the people stood up and he said, his word is his bond. And if his word is no good, then he is no good. And I had to stop and think, you know, you're right. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And it's not just talking business back in the Bay Area, like, yeah, we should get together sometime and things like that. And that's just talk. But out here, if you say you're going to do something, you do it because they rely on you. We have to rely on one another. If you say you're going to be there, be there. And so just that very simple phrase that he said just helped remind me, yeah, exactly. We got to do what we have to say. And I'm, I'm no stranger to that. That's like what I was taught at West Point and how I led soldiers. I taught, you know, I learned more about servant leadership and I practiced what, you know, I practiced what I learned there and I made sure whatever I told them to do, I wasn't afraid to do it myself. And so, yeah, it was just a great reminder. And I'm so glad that we're in a community where there are other <laughs> folks that believe in that same, in that very exact same thing. Mm -hmm. That's actually one of the reasons why you, out of everyone that I had ever dated, I didn't date that much. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> We're not going to talk too much about this now, right? <laughs> but I mean, out of 
everyone I got to know, uh-huh. you, that re- that was the number one thing that I really felt was a defining factor. Mm. Once I experienced that from you, I realized how important that was in my life and how I would need that moving forward. You know, right. it, it's just that we say these things like, yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's get together. Let's catch up sometime. Well, I, do, and I, I, do hate, with... I hate that now. I hate, and I, yes. I try not to say that anymore. <laughs> like we should catch up sometime. I've caught myself like, yeah, let's, like, let's keep in touch. <laughs> let's keep it. <in>, yeah. <laughs> I hate that. And I've, and I yeah. think yeah, I used to say it all the time. I'm totally guilty of, of course, it. But right. now coming here. We all say that. Now coming here, I'm, I've, I've actually texted it to one of my call, my my ex colleagues, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, we, sh- I miss you. We should catch up sometime. And then <laughs> yeah. I looked at it and Never. I was like, why did I write that? Right. And so I had to text like, how's Monday morning at nine a.m. Yeah, exactly. I, I literally had to follow up like. I'm not going to do this anymore. Well, we do that with our children, too. I want to make sure, like, if Daddy says he's going to do it, he's going to do it because I don't, Well, you know. see, that's also something, too. There's a <laughs> little bit of where you kind of have to teach them a little bit of disappointment because I turned out just fine. Okay. <laughs> I just don't want to be those dads who are like, we right. should go do this sometime and never do it. Yeah, but you're setting up expectations for them in right. the future where everyone's going to be like that <laughs> and it's it's not a common right. thing and they also have to be able to determine through sure. those that take action and those that don't right yeah, and not be disappointed true. later on because they have the expectation that everyone shares you. the same philosophy of my word is my bond and I'm <laughs> telling you, that's like you and three other people i hear you i just don't want to disappoint them but we're going off on a tangent here <laughs> okay All right, so let's move on. When it came to building relationships in a small town like this, what were some of the biggest adjustments that you felt like you had to make? Well, I think we we touched on this a little bit, and we had to be intentional about, you know, not just going out for a cup of coffee or grabbing a bite to eat at a restaurant, at a local restaurant. And it was... it had it forced me, and I, it may have forced you a little bit to get out of our comfort zone and actually talk to people that we're sitting next to while we're eating, and not just about what what are they eating, but you know, getting to know the the, the other patrons in the restaurant and getting to know the server, though you know, and and actually meeting the the local business owners too, and being in a small town, it's a lot easier to support local businesses because there are so many local businesses in town and to get to know the the owners and hearing about why they created the business, why they're in business, like, you know, and just learning, learning about them. And it's just so amazing hearing from their experiences. And you can learn so much about the town just by talking to people. And that is the main difference coming to a small town versus, you know, living in the bigger city. All right, let's move on. So there's this quote that when you have more than you need, build a longer table, not a higher fence. I want to talk about how we've applied this concept in our own community building efforts and what some of those benefits are with creating these connections with others in the community. Coming from California, we tend to build figuratively and literally these higher fences, right? Whether that's, and I've looked it up, like cypress trees <laughs> that are fastgrowingtrees.com, right? Mm-hmm. Or 
there are, you know, we, we even erected a really high metal fence, ironclad fence. It was, yeah. You know, on our land and our property. Eight and, foot high. And that was for animals. But it was also like a protection. A deterrent. A yeah. deterrent. Since we've been here, I, we still built a fence. And it's like at 10,000 volts, <laughs> but, but it's, it's not high. <laughs> 8,000 volt fence, but you can see through it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the concept of building a longer table, we've really tried to embrace and yes. we it, it, on a daily basis, right? Today is mm-hmm. a Saturday and we had three of our community come over literally for our dairy products, yep. right? We had someone come for a pound and a half of raw butter. We had another come for two gallons of raw milk. And um, I had some Vietnamese yogurt to share. Mm-hmm. And then I also had someone come uh, who's are part of our community also that wanted to see if we had some extra Vietnamese yogurt. And... We literally made it the other day. I made extra just to share. It's a big hit. (laughs) And what's really nice is that this is part of building a longer table, whereas before, and and actually in my career, I always look at the return on investment. I Mm -hmm. look at return on ad spend. I think of cost per acquisition. Right. Right. And I think of a lot of things related to ROI. I have things on spreadsheets. But there is just something really fulfilling about people from our community coming to pick up products that we have made with our own hands Mm. that I know they can't find anywhere because we couldn't find it anywhere. That's going to be most nourishing for them and their families. And that to me is building a longer table because that was just a Saturday. I didn't tell you about the other days of the week. Yeah. But those are, these are the moments where it really matters to me when it comes to community building. In fact, one of them is now going to refer you to her daughter who's yeah. looking at buying more property. Yeah. The concept of building a longer table and growing out our community and growing, bringing more seats in the table so that we can continue to expand and grow with one another. It's just really awesome from the person who bought our butter, which that was a total random thing. I had just flown back from a business trip and I think I was in Istanbul when I picked up a random phone call and someone with a really heavy Southern accent called and said he was interested in buying butter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, where am I right now? He said he got my number from someone in the community and loved the butter and learned that it was really healthy for them. So they wanted to buy a pound and a half of butter. It's just amazing, right? That what product we provide is, you know, not found anywhere else. And we, but but through the products, we're able to bring community together. Exactly. That's what I wanted to say is that it's not just about the product, even though we want to and we continue to provide value to our community, but it's just a, a really good excuse to Meet get people. to know, yeah, get to know the community. Yeah. yeah. It's been really cool to see how owning a cow what for what we thought was going to be enough for our family and, and maybe a few friends has brought this larger community mm-hmm. to us who are very like-minded, who 
value the same same things that we value. Yep. And you just it feels like family. Having community is great because you are value based and what you believe in. It's just it's, it comes together as we continue to define these boundaries and become more resolute in what we feel is acceptable and not acceptable that our relationships well i think we go we we, we go so deep much more quickly now because we just don't have the time we don't have the time to to talk like what you're just talking about where yeah let's get together sometime and let's talk about the weather and talk about sports and things that that just change and doesn't really get deep to the heart of the matter. When we meet people now, we just get straight to the heart. We want to know oh yeah, what their values are, want to know their beliefs. We want to know if we can jive, if we're, <laughs> if we're talking on the same wavelength, because we don't have time to fool around anymore. Yeah, I don't know if I talked about it in a, in a past episode, but I have just found that I've become more socially awkward getting to know new people because I just have a list of like, what are your thoughts on this, 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 and that? It's like a speed dating, right? Just kind of like community dating. dating. Really, And I just feel like, okay, well, all right. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) You you, you get to know people and you'll know in the first 20 to 30 seconds whether or not we're going to be lifelong friends here and we're going to be in it together or or just acquaintances. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say... We would easily dismiss no people either. It's just that I think that there are certain things that in light of what's happened in the last three years, you know, that we have certain priorities that we, yes. are we, and I mean that as like us and our family and the community that we're in, you know, I am no longer preoccupied of thoughts of my next vacation or the next time we're going to go to Disneyland or the next movie we're going to watch or what shows on Netflix that I should be watching. I think we had been guilty of all of that. We, we've definitely been guilty of like, okay, going from vacation to vacation to vacation and planning our lives based off of that because we work so hard and such long hours that well, yeah and there's no there's no shame in going on vacation or having fun and having balance but we're playing a high stakes game now and so back to what we were just talking about I think we're very understanding we're very accepting of like where other people are coming from where everyone's coming from and what they may believe in it's just that now we're a little bit more selective as to who we're going to go deep with, who we're going to be able to build share, together, build together yeah. share our lives with, and be transparent with. And we're just we're just being more selective in that in that aspect. I think that's also very unique of this area too. If you heard in the past podcast, we came out here to actually have an interview set up for the community. And yeah. I think it, it went both ways. It's very unique. <laughs> I think it went both ways where we specifically asked to meet families that were new to the area and uh, shared similar beliefs. And we wanted to hear Mm -hmm. what their thoughts were because it's impossible to tell when you're coming from the other side of the country and you're just looking at property on Zillow or (laughs) realtor.com. You have no idea the community you're getting yourself into and and as part of that we really wanted to understand 
who was going to be around us and could we be there for one another? Are these the people that we would want to build the next chapter of our lives with? So let's let's move on and talk about becoming involved in the community. Yeah. Attending some of the meetings here, what those <laughs> meetings are about, learning and caring for each other's and well-being and and volunteering whenever possible because I think coming out to small town America, these meetings count for a lot. Like and they're it's funny. We have a lot more meetings to go to now than we ever did back in the Bay Area where yeah. there were so many meetups.com like opportunities. Yeah. And they're we never in... went to any of those. And now here we are, like, all right, after work, after dinner, after yeah. you know, or Saturday morning, there are things that people are getting getting together for and it's important there are no shortage no shortages of meetings out here we are learning so much at these meetings like the last one i just told you about or mentioned was the cert training and what is what is cert uh, what is this community emergency response training training Mm -hmm. you know what to do especially with in light of the recent events of the train derailment in ohio and you know, how do you respond to those kind of things? What are the authorities going to do? How can we best help the community out if something like that were to happen? And just learning these kinds of skills and things. And it's just, it's wonderful to actually get together and learn more about each individual. It's wonderful to get together and just learn about, you know, learn everyone's stories, why they moved here and how we can best help one another. Right. And there's other meetings too. Like there's the deer processing yeah. uh, and canning from the UT extension here that we went to. Yeah. There's a newcomers meeting for those that have just recently moved into the area. There's another and- meeting as to how we can get involved with... Um, taking action with the laws here that go Mm -hmm. on in the state. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on. There's homesteading and supplies. There's medical training. There's ham radio. It's amazing the amount of information and the things that we're learning Mm -hmm. on a weekly basis within the community. And we show up. You are expected to show up to these meetings to kind of build up that credibility. And that takes time. That takes a lot of time. A lot of time. And you have to be intentional with mm-hmm. that. So let's talk about like our homeschooling community. We talked a lot about homesteading, but mm-hmm. our homeschooling community is pretty special as well. In fact, uh, we do a Charlotte Mason homeschooling curriculum. And it's not really a curriculum because Charlotte Mason isn't... Right. Uh, it's a, more of a philosophy. And we actually had a parenting coach seven years ago, so when the second one was born. And she was the one that introduced us and opened up our eyes to the Charlotte Mason yes. method, which now where we're at, we're kind of at the hub of Charlotte Mason homeschoolers, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to share a little bit about that because we've always homeschooled, even though that was an unpopular decision coming from the tech world. 
typically I'm expected to send my child to an STEM focused multilingual <laughs> yeah. Montessori mm-hmm. or you know, definitely a private school. However, as I started to question what they were really teaching the children, yeah. how they were teaching, how they were going to teach to my child level, skill set, and how that was going to make them a better person made me really look into homeschooling. So we started homeschooling pretty early on. Our children have never gone to public school. We did explore private school when they were in, what, transitional kindergarten. But once they started kindergarten and beyond, we've we've been homeschooling. And so I wanted to talk about how special the homeschooling community is here and how much support we get because that's, that's one of the things that people talk about, like against homeschoolers. They think that homeschoolers are antisocial. And I cannot tell you how much of a misconception that is it's like the complete opposite yeah and yes there's always going to be room for improvement no matter whatever schooling system you prescribe to right but for our children we have them in a variety of different groups as well as activities and we try to keep them to be pretty well rounded mm-hmm. and learning things that we think are going to be good for them holistically not just focused on STEM, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. <laughs> it's, it's STEAM now, actually. Finding community is important when raising children as well. And that played a significant factor in where we ended up and how we homeschool our children. Right. And just recently, we went on a field trip with our homeschooling group and went out to Williamsburg. And that was a really good experience because a place like that has special homeschool dates where they reduce the prices for the tickets. And we got a chance to go out there. And that that was our first time going, too. And it was pretty fascinating. It was living history. They had actors and actresses dressed up in that period of time. And it was really informative, and it was a a great time for us to spend as a family, but also to spend time with the other homeschooling families as well and getting to know them and and their teachers. Yeah, it's like uh, what homeschooling families do for vacation is we go to a living history museum. (laughs) Well, no, I mean... (laughs) I think my most favorite part was when the adults got to do their own escape room. Oh, my gosh. The kids did their own escape rooms, and we had enough of family members that would watch on each other's kids that the adults were able to squeeze in their own escape room as well. We did two with the adults. (laughs) And this is what happens when when you're stuck in a room with homeschooling parents. They will question everything, move everything around, and solve puzzles at, like, warp speed. I have never, <laughs> I mean, I've worked with my, I've, I've done lots of right. escape rooms with my colleagues. In fact, that's how Corporate. I started. Yeah. yeah. When, when we did a team, a building. team building event yeah. and I came back <laughs> and I loved it so much. I was like, we've got to go. And, yeah. and even our, our children now, they, they do they escape rooms them. for their birthday parties. Yeah. <laughs> but. Nerdy. We beat out <laughs> these, t- we picked the toughest rooms and we beat them by 30 minutes. Yeah, it was super fast. I, I just like it was mind fun. blown. It's so fun, and we never worked together before. No, we've you know we've never really spent that much time with the, uh, the actual parents on a on a fun adventure. But yeah, it's just you know these these relationships again yeah. happen here, and in, in very similar to the homesteading community, the homeschooling community requires you to. 
be intentional, participate, participate, yeah. and be there. And and though we're both working homeschooling yeah. parents, it does make it a little bit challenging to be there physically, yeah, um, with the other parents. But I think it's it's through these times where we can actually have fun with them, and you know we've got camping trips planned. Um, some half of them have RVs, so that's going to be fun. The other one's got tent, so yeah. I can't imagine like how much more fun that's going to be with with them. And and um, we have an extra set of eyes on our children, <laughs> but also you know it's well, we did we did Dollywood. We yeah. have other hiking trips. It's just really exciting here because even in California, when we were part of a homeschooling co-op, we had them in schools and then we were home educating them for three days out of the week. Yeah. We didn't, we were so busy as, as with most parents in the Bay area that no one had time to plan. And that's kind of where we're at. Like we don't, we're not planning any of the events. We do just kind of attend and come in and get to enjoy it. But we show up whether we, you're homesteading or homeschooling, we show up. Yeah. I yeah. know where my gifts are, and it's definitely not in organizing planning. Event. I think the children are having a really good time. That's important. Making new friends, mm-hmm. learning so many different things, right? Like foraging for mushrooms, foraging for uh, herbal medicine and archery, all sorts of different things that we just didn't have access to in the Bay Area. We wanted to end the podcast with some final thoughts and some encouragement for you to prioritize community building and homesteading. I'll let you go first. What are your final (laughs) words of encouragement for homesteaders looking to build community? Don't be intimidated. It's really easy to be intimidated with going to a foreign, I say foreign, but it's going to be another, you know, small town America, a place you've never been to. Just trust your gut. Go with your values. Stay true to your values, who you are, and not be afraid to ask questions. Not be afraid to roll up your sleeves. Go into those towns. Get immersed into it and ask those questions. Meet the local people. And that is so extremely important before you pack up and move everything. And just got to get your heart set first. And the only way you can do that is to actually get to know the people. And I think to your point, for those who are looking outside mm-hmm. in small town America, but for those that are in a larger city doing urban homesteading, we started off doing that. We, we had did. a smaller, you know, quarter acre mm-hmm. in the Bay Area and we were doing it. We were trying to find our community too. It was not as close, but you know, you could still find your community there. Mm-hmm. You know, even even in a more rural town, because mm-hmm. we moved out to north of Sacramento too. We did, and there was a there was a type of a community there. Baby, so like baby steps, right? Or yeah. even if you're in an apartment or a condo or a home uh, in suburban America, yeah, I think it's totally possible for you to continue to find these communities because. While we were in the Bay Area, we still found the community. We had to drive out to, you know, mm. Berkeley, you know, from Sacramento. We drove out to Mill Valley. We drove out to Santa Cruz for the gardening community, right? And, like, they're around. You just have to go find them. And and so I don't want to discourage you or those who are not thinking about moving out to small-town America. You can absolutely still do this That's true. where you're at. Just find the people. They're around. And if you're looking into moving out from suburbia to or, or urban 
uh, areas to suburbia or suburbia to rural because we're seeing that trend in mm-hmm. the data. We are. Because we're seeing that wherever you decide to move, mm-hmm. if you decide to move, spend some time and visit the town, visit the people. I hope that is a big takeaway. Um, for for me, it was also setting up like a whole spreadsheet and <laughs> studying other factors. Yeah. You know, law, water, access to water. Natural resources. Soil, yeah. Natural resources and mm-hmm. tornadoes or hurricanes or <laughs> earthquakes. All those things yeah, were taken into consideration. Too. Yeah. But where before we moved out here, you actually interviewed yeah. the mayor before he even became a mayor. You interviewed the sheriff. You interviewed the congresswoman. Yeah. We knew not only on a local level with the people here that yeah. lived here, but we also knew who was also going to yeah, government leaders potentially make changes or hold true yeah. to what the people want. So that's a good point. Yeah. So I, I just want to, you know, end with that encouragement for those, no matter where you are, yeah. you can absolutely, I, I hope that you can take some inspiration from this and, and realize that you can, Take these steps and get to know the people where you are and wherever you decide to go. Yeah, I also want to make the point, too, that the number one priority for us, based on this journey, as you described from our quarter acre through five acres to moving out of the state, the number one priority was community. Right. And that's the number one question we get, too, is how did you decide where to get to where you're at? And it wasn't just one factor. Mm -mm. I would say mainly it was because of community, because that was really, that became really important to us after building the homestead and really realizing how much resources and effort was required to build a sustainable homestead, that you really do need community. I I did not want to be self-sufficient. I I do, but (laughs) I also want to be community reliant. Yes. As well. And have that because it's almost impossible to be completely independent from society. We still have to interact with people. And it's impossible to do life by yourself. Exactly. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I hope that you realize the importance of building relationships in homesteading communities and homeschooling communities. We hope to we hope that you subscribe to our YouTube. And if you like the message here, hope that you are able to share it out to your friends and family. Thank you and stay tuned for the next episode.